Hey there, thanks for checking out the Ike Wingate Morning Show podcast. Well, you've thought about doing your own podcast, let me tell you, it's not near as hard as it used to be. I launched a podcast back in 2008, and it was crazy difficult to get it listed everywhere where listeners were, which back then wasn't really that many places. But now, podcasts are everywhere, and with a platform like Buzzsprout, you can be all over the place with one click, plus a great-looking website, analytics, and more. That's why... We use Buzzsprout. So follow the link in the show notes, and that'll let Buzzsprout know that we sent you, and you'll get a $20 credit if you sign up for a paid plan. Plus, it helps support our show as well. Again, down in the show notes with Buzzsprout. Let's go! All right, let's get this show on the road! Five, four, three, two, one. Let's go, woo! This is the Ike Wingate Show. Top of the morning, everyone. Join the show now. Text 870-505-1518. Here's your host, Ike Wingate. Ike Wingate. Ike Wingate. Good morning. Welcome to Wednesday. We are halfway through November, November 15th, 2023. So glad you are here bright and early. Coming up this hour, celebrity birthdays, this day in history, random facts, and an Apple Watch saves a guy's life. Next hour, caught doing good, a blind dog is rescued from drowning. In Stranger Than Fiction, a man survives a crocodile attack by biting back, will be Talking Law with Greg Thurman in studio today as well with Thurman and Flanagan. And 15 jobs that are not as fun as you might think. We'll get to all that and more today on the show being brought to you by Thurman and Flanagan, attorneys at law, online at ozarkjustice.com or call them 479-253-1234. Good morning. And it is time for your celebrity birthdays here for Wednesday, November 15th, 2023. Emma Dumont, who plays Polaris on The Gifted, is 29. Shailene Woodley, who is Triss in Divergent. Hazel in The Fault of Our Stars. And Jane Chapman on HBO's Big Little Lies is 32 today. B.O.B. Rapper, right? Collaborating on Airplanes with Haley Williams from Paramore and Magic with River Cuomo from Weezer. He is 35 today. Winston Duke, who is M'Baku in the Black Panther movies, is 37. Asia Kate Dillon, who plays Taylor Mason on Billions, is 39. Sophia DiMartino, who is Sylvie on Loki, is 40. Yaya DaCosta who plays April Sexton on Chicago Med, is 41. Sean Murray, who plays Tim McGee on NCIS, is 46. Chad Kroger from Nickelback is 49. Sydney Tamia Portier. Portier is Sydney Portier's daughter, 50 today. Johnny Lee Miller, who played Sherlock Holmes on Elementary. And now he's British Prime Minister John Major on The Crown, 51 today. E-40, 56. Kevin Eubanks, remember Jay Leno's band leader? 66 today. Beverly D'Angelo, Chevy Chase's wife Ellen Griswold in the Vacation movies is 72. Annie Freed, Frida Lingstad from ABBA is 78. Jack Watterson from Law & Order is 83. National Recycling Day, and on this day in history in 1806, explorer Zebulon Pike spotted the Colorado Mountains. They named one after him, Pike's Peak. It's one of the top 25 mountain peaks of the Rockies. 
with an elevation of 14,115 feet. Janis Joplin arrested in Tampa, Florida on charges of vulgar and indecent language at a concert on this date in 1969. Boy, would they be arresting a lot of people now if they still did that. The Grateful Dead's 10th album, Shakedown Street, released on this date in 1978. The animated version of The Lord of the Rings released in 1978 as well. Kenny Rogers had his first number one hit with Lady, written by Lionel Richie on this date in 1980. The movie Space Jam with Bugs Bunny and Michael Jordan released on this date in 1996. William Shatner married his third wife, Noreen Kidd, on this date in 1997. She died two years later in their swimming pool. Interesting. Let's see. Robert Blake married Bonnie Lee Bakley five months after the birth of their daughter, Rose. Bonnie Bakley died six months later. That was on this date in 2000. Microsoft first launched the Xbox console on this date in 2001 for $299. The first Halo released on an Xbox exclusive on this date in 2001. The second Harry Potter movie, Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, released on this date in 2002. A brawl broke out at the Vibe Awards when a guy punched Dr. Dre in the face on this date in 2004. Those are your celebrity birthdays and this day in history. Good morning. And it is time now for your random facts. There are no direct undisputed descendants of Abraham Lincoln left. None of his great-grandchildren had any children. His last descendant was Robert Todd Lincoln Beckwith who died in 1985. That's that's too bad. Cutter Airways has a strict policy for Falcons on their planes. Only six are allowed in the cabin. And only one Falcon per passenger. So just, just in case you're, you're planning to fly Cutter Airlines. There is no road that connects North America and South America. There's a 100-mile swamp in Panama and northern Colombia that breaks up the Pan American Highway. Okay. Random facts, my friends. The entire first season of Cheers took place at the bar. They didn't have a scene anywhere else until Diane's apartment in the first episode of the second season. Yeah, keeping costs down. The two countries outside America where Schindler's List had the biggest box office were Germany and Japan. Hmm. Those are your random facts. Good morning. Good morning. Today's show brought to you by Thurman and Flanagan, attorneys at law. Well, do you have an Apple Watch? Yes, they are a lot of money, but they could save your life. Recently, a 40-year-old Las Vegas man with type 1 diabetes said that his Apple Watch saved his life after the device called emergency services when he fell unconscious due to low blood sugar. The watch's GPS helped the paramedics locate him even though he was unable to speak This is Josh Furman talking about how his watch saved his life. I could not talk. 911 could not understand me, but they had the GPS lock on the watch so they knew where I was. I don't think people know enough about their Apple Watch with the fall detection. You know, people that are elderly probably don't know about the fall detection. You actually have to turn it on on your iPhone. Wow, so that is a a very good tip, turning that fall detection on if you have the Apple Watch. But uh, nonetheless, that is a life-saving story from... The geniuses of Apple. Good morning. 
Ever caught someone doing a good job? Tell us about it. This is a feel-good story for you, bright and early. A blind dog, blind dog rescued from the freezing waters of a New York pond by a pair of city police officers. This is Officer Brandon Williams and Mark Esposito responding to the 911 call and rescuing the pup out of Queens Baisley Pond Park. Take a listen. Hey, pup. Pup, you okay, you okay? Okay, okay, okay. Okay. Hey, you guys. We got the dog out of the water. Okay. Is there a towel? can't feel anything. Nice heat. Wow, so that was a frigid, freezing pond. This blind dog apparently wandered out of its yard and ended up walking into cold water. That's uh, crazy, isn't it? Well, good thing these cops were willing to get in the frigid water and rescue the blind lassie. That is Caught Doing Good. If you got a good story out there, email it to us and let us tell it right here. The email is show at ikewingate.com. It's time for Stranger Than Fiction. Well, this is a disclaimer. Do not try this at home. An Australian man claims that he survived a crocodile attack. How? By biting it back. This is Colin Devereaux talking about his encounter with a crocodile. Last on me, and it was a big grab, solid. He shook me straight away, shook me like a rag doll. He took off in the water about three meters. I jumped in the air and kicked him in the ribs behind the front shoulder and managed to have a bite. And then I actually missed most of what I was biting at. It was all heavy head, heavy bone, and my teeth slipped up and I got all of the eyelids. And I jerked back on that and had about a second go past and he let go. Wow. He bit the crocodile's eyelids. This is a real-life crocodile hunter. He did suffer a pretty intense leg wound, but it is on the mend and looks to be making a promising recovery. But again, do not try that at home. That is Stranger Than Fiction Crikey! And good morning to you. We are back in studio talking law with Greg Thurman of Thurman and Flanagan. Great to see you this morning, Greg. What are we going to learn? I thank you for having me back in the studio today. I want to talk a little bit to our audience about our courts. I notice there's a lot of confusion when I talk to people. They don't understand the difference sometimes between district court and circuit court and the types of cases that each court hears. Excellent. Let's go. I'm ready to learn this because uh, there's a lot of these things I have no idea about. Well, Ike, for years, the district courts were part-time courts. The judges actually were part-time judges. They had their own law practice, and then they would serve in a part-time role as district judge. I actually was appointed by the governor of Arkansas to fulfill two terms of a district judgeship there in the Eastern District of Carroll County, but I also was able to keep my full-time practice. In 2017, that all changed. Our district courts became full-time courts, where the judges became full-time district judges. The district courts are where you hear the misdemeanor cases. These are criminal cases in which you are not facing long, you know, prison sentences. You're typically traffic violations, offenses that our legislature has decided are less punishable than those that are of felonious behavior or the felonies that the circuit courts hear. District court judges uh, are the ones that have the first appearances after somebody has been arrested. They typically will review the facts to make sure the facts warrant the arrest, support the arrest, and they also will set bond or they 
will release the person on their own recognizance and set their initial court date, which will be the date that they come in to, you know, basically make their first appearance in front of the judge. District courts also handle what we call small claims. As part of the change in district courts, when they became part-time to full-time courts, the legislature raised the limits from $5,000. Any claim that was 5000 or more had to be brought in circuit court. But the legislature made the change and said, we're going to raise those small claims limit up to 25000 Small claims sounds like a great idea. You can represent yourself. You know what Abe Lincoln said about that. Uh, when I was the district judge, I would see certain cases that belong there between people where they came in and, and acted as their own attorney. The reality is when you get cases that are substantial, uh, most people want to have representation and most lawyers are going to want to have that case in circuit court because the district court is not a court of record, meaning that there is not a court reporter there taking down everything that is said. And so most attorneys are going to take any claim that has a value and they're going to want to have that in circuit court where there is a court of record so that it can be appealed to the court of appeals or to the Arkansas Supreme Court. And then what is the larger court where the big time cases are? Well, circuit court, that is where the felony cases are heard. It is also where the civil cases, uh, the majority of the civil cases are heard. It is also the court where domestic relations, divorces, custody, paternity. It's also the the court where you have a probate. Estates get divided depending on if a person has a will, the will will get probated. And so the circuit court handles pretty much all of the criminal felony cases and the majority of the civil cases in our system. And None of these are presided over by a county judge. No, that is a big misnomer. In Arkansas, we have a what we call a county judge. And the way people need to think about that is the county judge is like the mayor of the county. County judges typically are not attorneys. And so it confuses people when our circuit judge, you know, runs for office. The district judge is also an elected office. And these people are out running for offices to be elected either district or circuit judge. And some of the constituents are asking them about potholes and things that they think <laughs> that, that they can can do for them. Uh, and so it, it just came to my attention that a lot of people don't recognize the difference between a circuit judge, district judge, uh, and county judge. And the county judge is, the way I look at it is they kind of are the mayor of the county. You have the quorum court, which is kind of your city council. But when I'm talking about a district judge, I'm talking about somebody that's going to handle the misdemeanors, going to set the bonds and the first appearances, going to review the arrest to make sure the facts warrant it, and then is going to listen to the cases that come before them. Them. Small claims is what I'm talking about. And like I said, the legislature raised that limit where you can take small claims up to 25000 used to be 5000 But I, I do find that still most cases of value end up in circuit court on the civil side because the parties typically and lawyers want that record. So in circuit court, you have cases both criminal and on the civil side. The criminal cases are the felonies. They're the ones that are more have been deemed more serious uh, by our lawmakers, and they're the ones that typically carry prison sentences if people are convicted. So we have our judge, circuit judge, that listens and you know, presides over the criminal docket, and then the circuit judge also presides over the civil docket. On the civil side, you're going to have breach of contract cases, you know, bodily injury cases. You're going to have disputes in real estate. You're going to have basically any type of civil dispute you can think of of value can end up in circuit court on the civil docket. In a 
addition, the circuit judge and circuit court, they overhear probate. So if somebody either died without a will, their estate's going to be distributed through the probate pro- process. They're going to have died into state without a will. Or if they die with a will, then that will is going to be probated and it's going to go through probate court, which is also a division of circuit court. So the circuit court oversees a ton of civil stuff, a ton of criminal stuff, but the more serious stuff, of course, the felony stuff is where the circuit court comes into play. And the district court has tried to take some of the pressure off by raising that limit from 5,000 for small claims up to 25,000. But in practice, I'm not seeing necessarily a a huge influx of, of civil cases in district court because they've raised that limit. It seems like most things of value end up back in circuit court. Well, very good. Thank you, Greg. That uh, definitely clears up a lot of the confusion on the different types of courts. Thank you again for being here in studio. It's Talking Law with Thurman and Flanagan. Good morning. Happy Wednesday to you. Are you getting your plans ready for Thanksgiving just over a week out? Yeah, you're going to need a turkey. You are going to need a turkey, and we have got a way for you to win a turkey. That's right. It is the 2023 Turkey Shoot. On the radio, you listen to 107.1 FM, listen for the turkey gobble when you hear it be the correct caller, and guess how many shots it's going to take to bag the bird. If you guess right, you win a free turkey from Hart's Family Center. Even if you aren't able to guess the correct shots, you still walk away with a free two-liter bottle of Coke from Sunfest Market just for playing. So there is no losing here, only winning. But wouldn't you love to bag that bird and get yourself a free turkey that would just make Thanksgiving dinner that much sweeter? So be listening for your chance to win with Carroll County Broadcasting. Good morning. Good morning. Happy Wednesday to you. Well, are you sitting at the office thinking the grass is a little greener at another job? Well, it might not be what you think it really is. Yeah. People think certain jobs would be a lot of fun, but we're finding out that they may not be as fun as you think. People think that anything freelance is going to be great. Well, the people that do it say finding work is a hassle, getting paid is a hassle, and you're on your own for benefits and retirement, so maybe rethink that. A lot of people think, oh, it'd be great to be a touring musician. Apparently, it's boring. There's too much waiting around, and there's also the travel grind and the unusual hours. Another job people think would be great is working in the film industry. Well, that's a demanding job, stressful deadlines, and you're usually working to execute somebody else's vision. What about the job of video game tester? Well, people say that playing the video game is fun, but testing the same elements over and over for weeks is not. They say it's mindless and repetitive. Oh, my goodness. They're killing our dreams right now. Bartending. People think it'd be fun to be a bartender. Well, you have to deal with a lot of drunken idiots. Some people that are in the business compare it to babysitting toddlers who are yelling at you. Another job people think would be great is beer brewing. Oh, I beer brew. Uh, I'm a beer brewer. I brew beer. That's what I meant to say. Uh, Apparently, it can be a lot of physical work, very long hours. One person described it as a wet, hot, janitorial job where you get a beer at the end. Okay. Working in tech, the people in tech say it's a lot of hours that are stressful. 
What about the job of traveling salesperson? Some people think that constant travel sounds great, but in reality, it's an endless cycle of airport, hotel, boardroom, hotel, airport, with no time to sightsee or explore. It's in and out. Wow. Scuba instructor. That's another job people think would be great. Apparently, someone online says that it ruined the hobby for them. It's herding cats and nursing someone with a sore ear because they can't equalize. (laughs) Park ranger. That sounds like a nice job. Apparently, you're paid in smiles and sunsets. Not a great paying job. Working at Disneyland. That sounds great, doesn't it? Apparently not. Doggy daycare. Also not glamorous. What about working for the FBI? Get a cool jacket with FBI on the back. Apparently, you spend 99% of your time working ridiculous hours in a cubicle. And 1% of your time doing something cool. Uh, Here's another one and the final one out of Reddit. It is driving the Zamboni. You drive that ice machine thingy around. Apparently, you flip a few levers at the start, flip them again when you're done, and you drive in a circle the whole time. Yeah. And then stress goes through the roof when something breaks. So it's not as glamorous as you might think. The grass is not always greener. So maybe that job you're doing right now is exactly what you need to be doing. Good morning. Good morning to you. Thanks for being here. Today's show brought to you by Thurman and Flanagan, attorneys at law. Online at OzarkJustice.com or call 479-253-1234. Apparently, we are spending a lot of time streaming on our favorite streaming platforms. So much so, it's a part-time job. That's the levels that it's reached hourly usage-wise. Apparently, if you quit streaming, you'd have time for a second job. One that's part-time and it pays. A survey found that the average American streams over 1,100 hours of shows and movies a year. That's 21 hours a week. In a poll of 5,000 Americans with 100 people in every state across the country, here's what they said. The state that streams the most is Wyoming. 40% of people stream more than 50 hours of content a week. That's more than a full-time job in Wyoming. A lot of TV in Wyoming. Maybe there's nothing else to do. I don't know. Minnesota is the top state for true crime shows. Indiana watches the most dramas. Nevada loves romantic comedies. And people in Idaho are the most likely to stream the same movie over and over again. What is that about? I don't know. Holiday movies are big time this time of year. But not only this time of year. Two-thirds occasionally watch them other times. Holiday movies at other times. I don't know. 74% of women, 60% of men. The state where people are most likely to watch Christmas movies out of season is Alaska. Well, that makes sense. Because a lot of, you know, depending on where you are in Alaska, you look outside, it looks like, you know, Christmas. 93% of Alaskans said that they stream holiday movies throughout the year. But the main stat here is that we're spending so much time streaming. Myself included. This is ridiculous. We, yeah. I have found myself streaming now more educational stuff historical things I'm really into politics and you know elections campaigns things like that historical things now and at least after streaming a lot of that stuff come away knowing more than I did rather than watching some of the shows out there where I feel dumber afterwards I don't know this is how I'm making myself feel better about it but either way uh, I should probably just go get another job that'd probably be the way to do it
Way to go, yeah. Good morning. Hey, I want to tell you about another podcast I'm doing, one that is shining a light in the dark corners of our media, our government, and our culture. It's the Ike Wingate Show. You can find it at IkeWingate.com. Please subscribe to it, listen to it. It's a longer-form, unfiltered podcast that delves deep into the issues that are happening in our culture. So check it out, please. Hey, thanks for checking out the Ike Wingate Morning Show podcast. It's an honor to know you've been listening and hanging out with us. We know you got choices, and believe me, we appreciate that you made this choice. We'd love to spread the word. We need your help with that. Leave us a review. Rate us whatever you can, because that'll help spread the word on the show. You want to contact us? Hit us up. Show at IkeWingate.com. We're on Insta. We're on Twitter, we're on Facebook, we're everywhere. Just type in the Ike Wingate Show. Have a great day.